celebrating over two decades of consecutive broadcasts on the great game of horse racing in Las Vegas. The Race Day Las Vegas show thanks all of our listeners and sponsors for your appreciated support. The following is a Race Day Las Vegas presentation in association with Sirocco Productions Limited on the Race Day Las Vegas radio network. Gaming capital of the world, time for Race Day Las Vegas, covering the sport of kings with a Las Vegas perspective. Now to the race desk with your host, Ralph Sirocco. From the backstretch to the turf club, at the race books and on the internet, to all horse players around the world, a good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Race Day Las Vegas radio program on this Wednesday. It is already the 21st day of the month of September. Your date, 9-2-1-2-0-2-2. Are we rolling along through September? Wow. Well, we welcome you to the show on this uh, Wednesday. As we begin another racing week, Las Vegas style, from Las Vegas, Nevada, your gaming capital of the world. We're right now looking out the uh, studio window. It, the sun is shining. The sky is blue. The ground is dry. There are a few little clouds hanging around, but nothing serious. And as you know, being already the uh, 21st day of September, days are getting shorter. Yeah. Left the house. It was dark out. You know, need the headlights on the car and all that good stuff. But the sun is starting to peek over the uh, building here. And at 11 minutes past 7 a.m. Pacific time, we are already at 73 degrees. 73. It is pleasant outside. 73 degrees. We're going to get up to 95. And we're not going to get to 100 degrees at all for the foreseeable future. As a matter of fact, we don't hit 100 degrees until Monday. So we're going to go through the entire week in the 90s, mid and upper 90s. But today it'll, uh, it'll uh, top out at 95 degrees here in Las Vegas. So if you're thinking about rolling up here for a, a little day or two, that's the deal here in Las Vegas. And, of course, weather around the world as well. As you know, we cover the entire world with our with our platforms, our digital platforms, and they include our websites, racedaylasvegas.com, .vegas.world.global. You've got your <coughs> devices. I guess they got that new iPhone out, right, that new one with the uh, all the fancy cameras and all that. And all you got to do is get your, um, your app at your app store, the uh, KSHP radio station app. Put it on there, and you can hear us as clear as a bell on your brand-new, you know, Apple iPhone. 214 version or whatever, and your Androids as well. And, of course, uh, wherever you get your podcasting, we're there as well. So we welcome you to the show as we begin another racing week Las Vegas style. <clears throat> and so I guess 
looking at the uh, stake schedule this week, and we start kicking it in on Friday. Remington Park's got three nice stakes races. And then coming up on Saturday, Aqueduct, Belmont at Aqueduct, by the way, will host the Ashley T. Cole Stakes for three-year-olds and up at uh, a mile and one-eighth. You got the Athenia, a grade three on the turf at Aqueduct for the Phillies and Mares. And then uh, Churchill Downs will kick in with four nice stakes races, the Bourbon Trail, the Dogwood, a grade three for three-year-old Phillies at seven furlongs, the Harrods Creek, and the uh, Seneca Overnight. The Seneca Overnight Stakes is a $160,000 race. Pretty good, huh? And then, of course, uh, Pimlico will kick in with the uh, four nice stakes races at 100000 apiece. They include the Laurel Dash, the Polynesian, the Sensible Lady Turf Dash, and the Weather Vane. But the big racing weekend, the big, big racing on this weekend comes at Parks Racing. Parks Racing. Uh, on Saturday, they're going to have 10 stakes races, 10 of them, including two $1 million races, the Cotillion, a grade one for three-year-old fillies at a mile and 16th for a million bucks, and the Pennsylvania Derby, a grade one for a million dollars for three-year-olds at a mile and one-eighth, where, as you heard on this show, as was texted to me over the weekend by Jonathan Hardoon, they have made the decision to run Cyberknife in the Pennsylvania Derby coming Saturday. Brad Cox has been quoted as saying Cyberknife kind of like almost entered himself in the race. His works said he worked his way into the race, so he must be doing really good. Pennsylvania Derby. We'll get into that uh, race in just a moment. But uh, 10 stakes races at Parks Racing on Saturday. Wow. And, of course, Woodbine, one of our sponsors, will uh, kick in with a couple of $100,000 stakes races, the Bull Page and the Victorian Queen. And then Remington Park has a whole bunch of stakes races on Sunday. The David Vance, the E.L. Gaylord Memorial, the Flashy Lady, the Kip DeVille, and the Oklahoma Derby. Yep. Remington Park Oaks as well. Now, the Oklahoma Derby and the Remington Park Oaks are grade threes. The Oak Derby is four hundred grand. The Remington uh, Park uh, Oaks is uh, 200000 They also have the Remington Green Stakes on that day on the turf. So here we have it again. Parks Racing and Remington Park decide to run races for the three-year-olds and the three-year-old fillies on the on the same weekend. Now, of course, if you're going to opt for the uh, bigger purse, that would be the Pennsylvania Derby and the Cotillion. And we'll wait and see uh, the the entries in the Oklahoma Derby and the Remington Park Oaks. Don't know why these tracks do this, but I guess they think, and maybe they're right. We have enough in those divisions to split up into two races at two different racetracks over the weekend. We'll wait and see. Um, <clears throat> Cezanne, the graded stakes winner, uh, was purchased, remember, for $3.65 million as a juvenile three years ago. Unfortunately, she was euthanized after developing a fungal infection that was discovered in June. That was... Uh, reported by Todd Pletcher, who uh, Suzanne was under the care of at the time. 
Now, you remember she was originally based in the West Coast under Bob Baffert. But uh, she has uh, succumbed. Suzanne gone. All righty. Well, look, I'm uh, going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back because I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Pennsylvania Derby with uh, Jonathan Ardoon, who has a look not only from a handicapper's view, but a person with interest in the race as well with Cyberknife. So before we get to that, I want to do mention the fact that there were two big races uh, on Monday at Presque Isle Downs. The $200,000 Presque Isle <coughs> Mile was won by Shirley Furious, 980. Luis Saez aboard there. And the $400,000 Presque Isle Downs Master Stakes, won by Artie's Princess, paying 820 with the uh, Jose Ortiz aboard for Safi Joseph Jr. And we do want to congratulate Canterbury Park, one of our uh, sponsors this year, with the uh, wrap-up of their season over the weekend. Canterbury Park recorded uh, the record handle for the meet. Highest handle of the meet, record handle. 7.4% increase from 2021, and we hope that our listeners had something to do with that. Okay? <clears throat> All righty. Quick look at what happened on Sunday at Aqueduct. You get the Pebble Stakes at Aqueduct, won by Faith in Humanity, Manuel Franco, 1380. And uh, Chad Brown had three horses in the race, the winner and the second-place finisher, Gina Romantica, and the third-place finisher, Bohemian Club. So Brown runs, runs one, two, three in the Pebbles, and he was winning that particular stakes race for the fifth time. Some things never change. At uh, Los Alamitos, the Dark Mirage stakes on Sunday, won by Ganadora. Ganadora won Hernandez aboard the Bob Baffert trainee, 360, and a solid win there, outrunning Empire House and Trueville. And in the Singspiel Stakes at Woodbine on Sunday, the winner there, ready for the lady, ridden by the lady, Emma Jane Wilson, paying $30.60 as an upset there over British royalty and collective force. All right, you're all up to date. We're all up to date. Now we've got to look ahead to the weekend, which we will be doing. And we're going to be doing that. And, of course, uh, we've got uh, Churchill Downs running today. Now, Churchill Downs on Sunday, they're pick fours and Pick sixes uh, sure were a lot less than the monsters they've been having. Uh, you know, the uh, early pick four paid $129 and change, and the early pick five paid uh, $804 and change. So uh, they're settling down a little bit there at Churchill Downs as well. All right, time to get to our break because we got a lot to do today. Jonathan Hardoon will be with us. Give us a, uh, We're going to go over the Pennsylvania Derby, take an in, uh, take on that. Of course, he'll probably have something to say. He'll get on his soapbox. And uh, we may very well have John Lindo joining us. Jerry Jack, Jack Whistle will be here with a review as well. And Jonathan will have a selection or two at uh, Churchill Downs on today's menu. So don't go away. We're just getting started for another week of covering this great sport of kings, Las Vegas style. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
the Southern California Thoroughbred Racing Circuit is at Los Alamitos Racecourse for exciting racing action through September 25th. This week, we'll have a special Thursday afternoon racing program starting at 1 p.m. The daytime action will feature a Pick 6 carryover of $19,840. The Pick 6 sequence will start in race number three on Thursday. Don't miss Kurt Hoover and Daily Racing form Steve Anderson as they conduct a special handicapping seminar starting at approximately 12.05 p.m. Kurt and Steve will preview the Pick 6 sequence on Thursday. Remember, Los Alamitos features a traditional $2 Pick 6 with a 70-30 split. It's a Pick 6 carryover of $19,840 this Thursday afternoon at Los Alamitos. First post is 1 p.m. with the Pick 6 starting in race three. Handicapping information is already available at LosAlamitos.com. The best of racing, always at Los Alamitos. Daytime thoroughbred racing is here through Sunday, September 25th. Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer. Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the Racebook right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our Racebook is completely separate from the sportsbook and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service, bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our IPTs. Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered. from drf.com is the exclusive past performance content provider for the race day las vegas show all right back on race day las vegas and uh we will move ahead with uh right now i want to do the uh racing menu let's get that out of the way and then we'll uh, converse with Jonathan Hardoon about something called the Pennsylvania Derby. Of course, people back east, they got slangs for things, so they call it the Pensy Derby. But uh, we know what it is. It's a million-dollar race for three-year-olds. That we do know. All right, here's the menu of racetracks available today. And the race book, simulcast centers and racetracks around the country. Reminding you, the first post times we broadcast on the show each and every day reflect that of the Pacific time zone. So if you're here in Las Vegas on a beautiful fall morning, yeah, it's beautiful. Although fall is what, a couple of, it might be today. Today, the first day of fall? Anyhow, it's fall here. It's beautiful out there. If you're here in Las Vegas, these will be the first post times that roll out in our race books today. And uh, if you're not, in the Pacific time zone, then adjust to it. I don't want you to miss anything like I miss mom and dad because, you know, we have all these uh, delivery systems, all of this technology all around the world. So some people are listening right now in a different time zone. So adjust to it, to the Pacific time zone. Don't want you to miss anything. So here we go. We begin with Delaware Park. 
Delaware Park has uh, eight races today, and their first post time is 9.30. 9.30 Pacific time. First post at Delaware Park. After that comes Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. Churchill has nine races. Their first post time is 9.45 Pacific time. They have a pick six jackpot carryover of $45,701 at Churchill Downs today. And again, first post time is 9.45. Next comes Parks Racing, setting up for a big week there at Parks. They'll start out today with the first post time of 11 races at 9.55, and they have a pick five jackpot carryover of $92,415. First post time at Parks, 9.55. Next comes Finger Lakes, upstate New York. Finger Lakes has eight races. Their first post time is 10-10. They have a regular pick six carryover, not a jackpot, regular pick six carryover, $3,161, and a first post time of 10-10 at uh, Finger Lakes. Presque Isle Downs is next. First post time for eight races at Presque Isle Downs is at 10.30. 10.30, first post at Presque Isle after their uh, big races on Monday. That's a, you know, when you have a small track like that and it's it's nice to have the big races on a Monday, it dolls it up for race players out there. Of course, uh, at parks, when you have 10 stakes races, you got to do it on a weekend. All right, Park uh, Presque Isle Downs has a first post time of 10.30. 10.30 first post at Presque Isle. Oh, our, our computer just froze up. <laughs> How nice. All right, Horseshoe Indianapolis is next. Horseshoe Indianapolis has a regular pick five carryover of $56,182. All right, $56,182. Nine races. The last race will be a quarter horse race. The first eight will be thoroughbreds. And the first post time of 11.30 at Horseshoe Indianapolis today. Penn National is next. Penn National has a first post time of eight races set at uh, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. at Penn Nat today. And uh, Charlestown. Charlestown races. First post time is 4 p.m. 4 p.m. at Charlestown. They have a regular pick five. Look at this. Charlestown has one, too. Regular pick five carryover at Charlestown. $25,322. Okay, that's a the a regular pick five. $25,322. Their pick six jackpot carryover is $38,525. And they have a first post time at Charlestown at 4 p.m. We wrap it up with Remington Park. Remington Park has nine races, and their first post time is 5.05. 5.05, first post at Remington Park today. And that is your racing menu. And we will now go to Jonathan Hardoon. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, Ralph. How are you? Ah, thank goodness the phones are working. <laughs> well, everything can be broken, can it? Oh, and yeah. Oh, yes, it can. Yeah, yeah, it can. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you, it can. And uh, quite frequently happens. So we'll wait and see about that. But otherwise, uh, we will uh, truck ahead. All right. Well, uh, did it sounds like uh, Brad Cox said that Cyberknife kind of put himself in the Pennsylvania Derby. He did. They were going to take time and wait for the uh, Breeders' Cup and decide whether to go on the mile or the classic. You know, when they at draw time, they were going to cross enter and see who's in what field. But uh, the horse has never been doing better. And, uh, you know, he only has a race or two left before he goes to stud next year. 
So why not take advantage? I guess. I mean, uh, you, you know, uh, I can say this, that uh, he certainly didn't didn't embarrass himself in any of the latest races, including the one that he uh, got defeated in in the uh, Travers after him uh, using a lot of, I believe, his energy in uh, pre-race uh, and uh, getting ready to go to the uh, post. Yeah, and he found himself on the lead that day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not his running style. If you go back and watch the Arkansas Derby or even the Haskell, he came from way out of it. But uh, when early voting decided to take back, well, he inherited the lead and, you know, take nothing away from Florent Giroux. He had no choice. He was in that situation, and uh, he tried to, to make the best of it. It was something new, obviously, for the horse. Take nothing away from Epicenter. He ran lights out. And I don't know if we were going to beat him that day anyway, but uh, in any case, he, he fought gamely to, to hold on to second. He had every right to collapse and, you know, back up a little bit, but uh, he was game as could be. Listen, he has 10 lifetime starts, five wins, and, and uh, three seconds. So nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, when, when you're one of uh, 20,000 horses that get to make it this far, uh, the year he was born, I think there was over 19,000 falls. And, uh, He's certainly in the top three or four as far as three-year-olds are concerned. Now, you know, not really looking that much ahead because you never know what's going to happen in racing. Are they having any plans on running this horse as a four-year-old? No. They have a stallion deal. He's going to spend thrift uh, when his career is over, and uh, I would assume it's going to be at the end of this year. So we're looking at Breeders' Cup as probably a swan song. Correct. All right, let's take a look at the uh, Pennsylvania Derby field real quick and get a first assessment from you because on Saturday, of course, you'll be texting us your selection. So we have a little time today. John Lindo is feeling a little bit under the weather, nothing serious, so we won't have John on our show. So it just might be you and me if this computer keeps uh, screwing up on us. But nevertheless, <laughs> the Pennsylvania Derby, a grade one, mile and one-eighth. It'll, of course, be at uh, Parks Racing. It'll be the 12th race on a big Saturday card there. Of course, it's on the dirt for a million bucks for three-year-olds. And uh, from the rail out, number one is Zandon. Zandon gets Joel Rosario this time around for Chad Brown. Zandon draws the rail. You have uh, number two is Icy Storm. Uh, where Jeremy Laprida is uh, the writer for Felix Flores Coba. That's a big long shot there. The three that's is, a local horse. Yeah, yeah the, you know that's a, Icy Storm's a local horse. He's been running at parks in two out of his last three races, and uh, you know it's a local horse. And sometimes those kind of horses wake up, but he's got a lot of waking up to do to catch up to these horses. Yeah, he probably need a, <laughs> uh, a lightning strike or something. Now, but then again, we're talking. Remember, this is the year of Rich Strike. So uh, number yeah. number three is B Doc. Another local horse, Frankie, uh, Pen well, actually, not really. Frankie Pennington's going to ride for Doug O'Neill. Uh, you know anything about B-Doc? No, but he's kind of slow. I mean, uh, you know, he has two wins. He, he won an allowance race last time out at Ellis Park. So he's got a ways to go as well. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, uh, you remember Doug O'Neill won last year's Penn Derby with Hot Rod Charlie. So uh, I don't think he's going there for a... Uh, a corned beef sandwich. No, but B Dog is no hot rod Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. Not yet, anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> He's not even uh, hot anything. Uh, number four is, is Skippy Longstockings, Edwin Gonzalez for Safi Joseph Jr. Now, that's an interesting horse in this race. 
Yeah, he he met, he uh, passed the Derby to run in the Preakness, if you remember, uh-huh. and followed up by the Belmont. And then last time out, he actually won the West Virginia Derby. Yeah. So he could, you know, Safi Joseph, terrific trainer and all that. But uh, I think he's a step below uh, the top three. And the top three are going to be Zandon, Cyberknife, and Taiba, uh, in my opinion. And uh, I don't think he's quite as good as they are yet. Uh, the next horse uh, breaking from post five is Cyberknife, son of Gunrunner, Florent Garot riding back for Brad Cox. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, yeah, he was bred by the Ramses, right? He was bred by the Ramses, and uh, <clears throat> the Ramses actually owned the mother, and uh, they ended up selling her last year uh, before Cyberknife started to run. And uh, they actually, uh, uh, Gold Square Connections, try to buy her. Um, however, someone snuck in and uh, grabbed them. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's the inside scoop. Yeah. If you want to know the story, what's interesting is that uh, they they laid her at three. To, they laid the Cyberknife at three, three to, to one. one Tybe yeah. at five to two. Uh, Tybe is the morning line favorite, and we beat Tybe last time out. If you remember in the hassle, but the truth of the matter is, uh, we got a terrific ride that day. Yeah. By Florent Giroux when he went inside. Cyberknife was forced to go outside, didn't want the dirt kicked in his face, if you remember, mm-hmm. and uh, that certainly made the difference. Yeah, Teba uh, was in a better position going into the far turn than Cyberknife was, but was not responding from behind horses, and Mike Smith had to kind of ease out, get it to the outside, and then, uh, and when he eased out and got to the outside, created a spot for Cyberknife to roll up the rail, and uh, that uh, strategic move at that juncture of the race, I think, proved... A victory and defeat, that's for sure. But um, I think that uh, Taba's probably uh, posted the morning line favorite by the morning line maker because of the connections. You know, Bob Baffert and all that stuff is going to get uh, going to get uh, a look. But Cyberknife. But it's not like Brad Cox is a is a bum. No, no, I know that. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking. You're talking about two horses that are going to vie for favoritism, yeah. and the morning line maker had to one make one the favorite, and that's probably the lean that he had. No doubt about Cyberknife being genuine, and uh, in many. Well, ca- no, Ralph. The truth of the matter is, Cyber was favored last time out against Cyberknife yeah. when when he when Cyberknife beat him by a head and again we we pointed out what made the difference in the race yeah. both of our opinions i think is right the, the race was won around the far turn when uh, Giroud ducked inside and Tiber was forced to go outside i mean he lost some ground he had to lose a length they only got beat ahead so well Taba, the ride certainly made the difference uh Taba, uh will probably be the more uh, is the morning line favorite because the morning line maker is not a handicapper on the horses as much as he's a handicapper of the betting public and he thinks that will happen but, right. si- but actually cyberknife is the horse to beat in this race 10 starts 5 wins 3 seconds i mean the horse has been first or second 8 times out of a 10 a race career, and, uh, you know, this, this, he's going for his third grade one. Remember, he won the Arkansas Derby in the Haskell, only two-time grade one winner. Although he was 18th in the Kentucky Derby, you got to throw that one out. And, uh, you know, he, we already uh, chronicled his uh, Travers race. The thing I think about Cyberknife is, is the key thing is not that he's ready to run. It's not that he's good enough, and, and the post position is great, and the jockey's great, and so is the uh, trainer. It's the way he's going to handle from the from his stall going through uh, 
to the uh, saddling yeah, area. Yeah, the mental, the yeah. mental side of it. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> uh, the area be, the area between leaving the barn and getting into the starting gate is going to be uh, the crucial, I think, difference. And um, listen, he's his own worst enemy. Let's be honest. He, he gets worked up be- before races, and uh, he's getting better. But uh, better isn't good enough. You know, you got to be. Uh, you know, again, he's a baby. He's maturing as he goes along, and uh, hopefully, every time he goes out there, he gets a little better. But last time, he certainly reacted prior to the race, and uh, that certainly may have affected certainly his his. Uh, his performance. And he still performed well because he was out of his game, out of the starting gate when he went for the lead. So we will wait and see the tactics that are played here and the importance that Florent Garot will add to keeping him nice and calm before they start the race. Number six is We the People. Uh, now, this is a son of Constitution. Rudolph Brissett is the trainer. And Flavian Pratt opts to go the We the People, I guess, in giving up on Zandan because Flavian Pratt is now going to stay with We the People, who has won three of his last six races. Uh, and uh, he's got to step it up, though, I think. Well, he tried Cyberknife in the Arkansas Derby, and yeah. he lost by 13 lengths that day. As the favorite, by, oh, by the second choice, I guess, at 2-1. to yeah. One, yeah. You know, he never showed up that day. And, of course, horses are allowed to have bad days like people and everyone else. He had a bad day that day. He would have to turn it around. But the fact that Pratt is opting to ride this horse over a Chad Brown horse, I found that a little surprising. Yeah. And I guess you have to put some little more emphasis on we the people because of that move. Well, uh, you know, he, he's kind of like an in-and-outer. He ran bad. He ran seventh in the Archie Derby. Then he, uh, he, then he runs, uh, you know, a, a jaw-dropper in the Peter Pan. Then he finishes fourth in the Belmont Stakes. And, uh, but if the track comes up wet, he's a player. Yeah. All right, number seven is Tawny Point, another Brad Cox trainee. I read Ortiz Jr. will ride there. Here's a horse who's won half of his eight uh, lifetime starts, and and uh, I think he's a live long shot in this race. Absolutely, Cox likes this horse. They liked this horse from the beginning. They thought he was a notch below Cyberknife, but that being said, you know he's getting better, and uh, he's another one that has a shot to make a forward move. Six to one on the morning line, and I'd kind of like to see a little bit better odds on him as a live long shot, though. The eight is uh, the aforementioned Taba. Five to two, morning line favorite. Uh, he is also a son of Gunrunner, believe it or not. So the Gunrunner offspring are going to be uh, battling each other between Taba and uh, Cyberknife. Uh, Bob Baffert trainee, Mike Smith is going to ride. Uh, has two wins out of four starts in the second. And we know he finished second, of course, in the uh, in the Haskell most recently. And uh, well, his own, his only bad race, Ralph, was in the Derby. Yeah, you know the same thing as Cyberknife. He was wet. That uh, Derby race, by the way, was coming back off. He, he ran on April 9th in the Santa Anita Derby, Derby and came yeah. back on May seventh mm-hmm. to run in the Kentucky Derby. So you know, and that was career start number three. That that's an awful lot to ask a horse in his third career start to run in the Derby. You know, against a full field of twenty. With just a three-week layoff between the April 9th race and the May 7th race, or close to a month anyway, certainly less than a month, and that's a lot to ask a horse that's oh, lightly sure. raced. So I take nothing away from him. No one knows how, how good he is. 
And I said it in the beginning of the year. If I was buying stock in one of these three-year-olds, it would probably be Tyba. And, uh, you know, again, four starts, hasn't really done anything wrong. The derby race means nothing. He may be the horse to beat. Well, I can tell you this, that, uh, you know, I think the up more upside for Taba as he gets a little bit older. Remember, when he went to the Kentucky Derby, he was not trained by Bob Baffert. That was the time when Baffert was sitting on the bench. <clears throat> he's back under the Baffert care. I understand that he's had a series of bullet workouts in California uh, since Baffert has taken him back. And uh, Baffert, you know, has won the Pennsylvania Derby before, so he knows how to get horses ready. And this will be a great throwdown between him and Cyberknife, as long as Cyberknife uh, stays nice and calm before the start of the race, that's for sure. Rounding out the field, number nine is Simplification, 10-1 to 1 on the morning line. Uh, Antonio Seno, a trainee, Paco Lopez will ride. Three wins out of ten starts in his career. Um, you know, I guess he could be a long shot to, to make the uh, gimmick. Yeah, listen, he's, run, he's running the West Virginia Derby, the Preakness, the Kentucky Derby, the Florida Derby, the Fountain of Youth, the Holy Bull. So <laughs> he certainly keeps expensive company, and he doesn't get embarrassed. He hits the board. He finishes third, fourth, you know. So you're right. The perfect spot for him would be somewhere on the bottom in your Supers or tries. Yeah, that's right, because out of his 10 starts, out of the three wins, he's also finished second and third four other times. So he's been in the money. Uh, seven of uh, his uh, 10 starts. The 10 is Naval Aviator, long shot, 20 to 1. Uh, Joe Sharp trainee, Abner Adorno, uh, Adorno will ride. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just a long shot. Yeah, he's another ex Brad Cox horse uh, in the race. Brad Cox trained this horse early in his career, and uh, I don't think he's the long share, to be honest with you. Rounding out the field of 11 is number 11, White Abario, 8-1 to one on the morning line. Of course, Luis Saez riding for Safi Joseph Jr. Has won half of his uh, eight uh, lifetime starts, and he could be a live long shot to get in there as well. Well, something obviously went amiss in the uh, Haskell because he was beaten 34 lengths by both Tyba and Cyberknife. So we're going to draw a line through that race. You know, this is another one. He's running the Ohio Derby, the Kentucky Derby, the Florida Derby, the Holy Bull. So um, he shows up at a lot of these races. The problem is he just doesn't beat the top horses in here. But he always tries, that's for sure. And uh, listen, if you get an opportunity to run for a million dollars, why not take it? No question about that. And that's the feel. It is a talented uh, feel loaded with talented three-year-olds. And it's going to be a fun race. For a good price, a million bucks, and it'll be uh, the centerpiece of a big day of racing out at uh, Parks Racing. Nine other great stakes races. That, by the way, includes the cotillion for the three-year-old fillies, and that race is also for a million dollars for the three-year-old fillies. And in that race, uh, we've got a field of nine and uh, let's see. Does uh, well, Secret Oath is the big name in that field. That's the uh, D. Wayne Lucas horse that you know ran into Nest in her last two races, yeah. finishing second, beaten by four lengths, and then twelve lengths the race before that. Three back, he ran in, in the she ran in the Preakness, finishing fourth to early voting. So she certainly has run up against some good horses, and um, she looks to really be the best in this race. Jerry Mander, the five horses, are improving three-year-olds from the Chad Brown barn. 
And uh, Morning Matcha, believe it or not, 15 to 1 on the morning line, is a local horse that's run real well at parks in the past. So uh, a slight edge to Secret Oath, that's for sure, off of uh, the horses, the company she's been keeping and the races she's been running. Um, and she's the horse to beat, and it's Dwayne Lucas. Well, from the rail out quickly, number one is Green Up, Ired Ortiz Jr. for Todd Pletcher. The two is Adair Manor. This is the shipper from California, Bob Baffert trainee, Mike Smith riding. Uh, at 7-2, the second choice in the race. The three is Goddess of Fire, John Velasquez for Todd Pletcher. The four is Beach Days. Adam Bowman uh, will be the rider for Feral Man. <clears throat> the five is Gerrymander, Joel Rosario for Chad Brown. The six is the aforementioned Secret Oath. Luis Saez, D. Wayne Lucas trainee, the winner of, the, of course, the Kentucky Oaks. The seven is Shahama, Shahama. Uh, Flavian Pratt riding for Todd Pletcher. The eight is Morning Macha, Paco Lopez for Robert Reed Jr. And the nine is Society, Florent Garreau for Steve Asmussen. So they put up a million dollars, and they got two of the nice uh, top three-year-old fillies in the race, that's for sure. And uh, that should be a competitive event. Yeah, I mean, the other one really missing is Nest. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see a, a, a dare manner for Bafford and, and uh, again, Secret Oath going at it. A dare manner was beaten in our last two races at short prices. So, you know, that's certainly somewhat of a concern. But, again, now in Bob Bafford's full-time care, that may make the difference. Yeah, no question about that. That's for sure. So a great uh, weekend of racing coming up. And um, I guess you'll start uh, stall walking right about Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, just about. All right. Now, le now they tell me that they corrected the computer. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Hopefully the computer will not crash again, and we'll get in another break. And then when we come back, you and I, I'll put you on the uh, soapbox. I want to talk about one thing that really irritates me, and then maybe we'll get a pick for Churchill Downs from you. How about that? Good idea, Ralph. All right. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The Southern California Thoroughbred Racing Circuit is at Los Alamitos Racecourse for exciting racing action through September 25th. This week, we'll have a special Thursday afternoon racing program starting at 1 p.m. The daytime action will feature a Pick 6 carryover of $19,840. The Pick 6 sequence will start in race number three on Thursday. Don't miss Kurt Hoover and Daily Racing Forum Steve Anderson as they conduct a special handicapping seminar starting at approximately 12.05 p.m. Kurt and Steve will preview the Pick 6 sequence on Thursday. Remember, Los Alamitos features a traditional $2 Pick 6 with a 70-30 split. It's a Pick 6 carryover of $19,840 this Thursday afternoon at Los Alamitos. First post is 1 p.m. with the Pick 6 starting in Race 3. Handicapping information is already available at LosAlamitos.com. The best of racing, always at Los Alamitos. Daytime thoroughbred racing is here through Sunday, September 25th. Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer. 
Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the Racebook right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our Racebook is completely separate from the sportsbook and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service. Bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our IPTs. Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered. The Race Day Las Vegas Show, the only exclusive daily local media racing information source in Las Vegas. Well, I want to remind everybody out there that uh, tomorrow, of course, we'll have uh, Jerry Jackowitz and, uh, well, Jerry might be with us a little bit later on, but we'll have our crew back uh, along with Jonathan, Tommy Masses for Woodbine, Bob Mazursky for the uh, final week at uh, Los Alamitos, Richang, John Lendo will be back with us. He's just a little bit under the weather this, uh, this day, and so... Uh, we have Mr. Jonathan Hardoon uh, with us for most of the hour, that's for sure. Now, Jonathan, listen. Listen. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you sit in the books, or even if you sit at home watching the cable TV networks. And by the way, the two cable TV networks that are out there that are dedicated to horse racing are doing a great job. The racetracks are not. Because on a big day, it's pretty obvious that the players want to play. And so you're going through uh, the middle part of the day when you got stakes races going at Aqueduct, Churchill, Southern California's kicked in with an early pick five, et cetera. And, and like on Saturday, he's going to be racing at parks. That's going to be big races, et cetera. Why in the world can't they have these racetracks? Why in the world can't they have somebody sitting in the position of a race player who are, I mean, there were, Almost every race between Churchill Downs and I believe Aqueduct or Woodbine and Wood, Woodbine. Yeah, that's right. You're correct. Churchill Downs and Woodbine ran races, and it was a big day at Woodbine, the big Wood, uh, you know, uh, the Woodbine uh, Mile. They ran exactly the same time, over and over and over again throughout the day. Now, not only is it irritating, it's got to be a challenge for the uh, cable networks. That, you know, you talk about a race for a half hour and then they run on run over each other. Secondly, horse players. I mean, this is, you know, this is what we we spend the whole half hour handicapping. And we really want to enjoy the excitement of the race. I mean, this is what they're trying to sell, the excitement and the playing of the race. And then on top of it all, if they had anybody at all in those places that was a race player, they'd know that if a race player watches a race... And he happens to win that race, and he's got a minute to post time for the next race coming up. He's going to participate. But he can't participate if they're running on top of each other. Additionally, I'm talking about additional money being placed on those races, not to mention the fact it's just bad for the customer, just bad. If you remember Saratoga and Delmar, every single weekend, it was it was the most... Uh, frustrating, uh, terrible thing to witness. But 
They were running each other on top of each other the first three or four races of the day at Del Mar, and it was the last three or four races at Saratoga. Their handle was great. They're all bragging about how great their handle was. They're stupid because if they had any brains, their handle would have been that much greater. They need an air traffic controller in charge here, Ralph, somebody that knows what's going on. Back a race up five minutes, move a race up a minute. You have to do this where it works. Players, uh, money burns holes in players' pockets. They can't wait to make another bet. It's nothing is worse than watching two races at the same time. Yeah. It's just, it makes it really unenjoyable. It takes all the joy out of it. It does. And I don't want a better race if I can't watch it. John Lindo said it the other day, and he was 100% right. I'm not interested in betting races that I can't watch. Yeah, what am I going to do? Watch it on a replay? What does that mean? Nothing. It just It's a mess. It's stupid. And they're hurting their own product, and they're chasing people away. And I will tell you how simple, how simple this is to solve. You could have a race player. Take any race player out there with a phone on his couch watching these races, calling up a track and saying, you know, do a do a little. They used to call it the Caliani Shuffle, you know, where they circle around yeah, the right. back. Uh, because <laughs> they're just about Postman running. Did it for years. And Postman did it for years. If you remember, post time was eight minutes after post time yeah. was. And not only that, and you could be judicial about it. In other words, uh, you know, you can't have one track backing up their races all day long for another track. In other words, no, you, 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 alternate. You, you alternate. You alternate. So you make it fair for everybody. But that that's such a thorn in the side. I can't believe that. All right. Uh, since we won't have tracks running over each other today, give me a horse at Churchill Downs. Okay, we're going to look at the eighth race today. And by the way, it's a good betting card today at Churchill of full fields and, and competitive races. Eighth race today, it's a six-furlong allowance event. And I love the number six horse in here, Vernon Hunker Love. This is a three-year-old call to a six-career starts. He's had excuses in his three races that he hasn't run well. Two of them on the turf. Last time out, he ran without Lasix. He has time off now, goes back on Lasix. Uh -huh. If he runs the race, he ran two or three starts back. That's good enough to get the job done here. He's listed at 10 to 1 on the morning line. Ooh. Number six, Vernon Berna Hunker Love. Upsets and wins today's eighth race out of Churchill Downs. Just in time for the new Elvis movie on HBO. If you haven't watched, if you haven't watched that, you really ought to see that movie. It's a great movie. Well, hunk of hunk of burning, but this is burning hunk of love. So it's burning hunk of love. Hunk of love. <laughs> burning hunk of love. The six horse in the eighth race, and uh, we will certainly uh, do a wiggle wiggle if this horse wins a 10 to 1. Eighth race, the six horse at Churchill Downs. Jonathan's, uh, thanks a lot, Jonathan, for sharing some time with us and chewing the fat. By the way, it is a great card at Churchill Downs today, and it's a nine race card, and you can get the rest at uh, your website, right? J-O-N-H-A-R-D-O-O-N.com. Thank you, Ralph. Stay safe, be well, and we'll chat tomorrow morning. All right. You got it, my man. We'll give the last couple of minutes to Jerry Jackowitz here. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Ralph. Um, again, as has happened so often on this show, I couldn't agree more with John. I mean, Hardoon is, is totally right about that. And oh, you mean the uh, running races over each other? Yeah, I mean, it's just insane. It's just I hate to say I hate to, I hate to say it, but it's more than saying it's like ignorant. 
Okay, I'll, I'll accept the ignorant instead of insane. I think it's insane, but it is ignorant. I mean, it's like uh, two people arguing over the same thing when they're in agreement about what they're both trying to do. You know, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is if they have a, a legitimate reason and excuse for it, please let us know because the right now the betting public thinks they're crazy. Yeah, they, 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 are, they are lunatics. But, you know, I, I really called in today, Ralph, because mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about a bad beat. Go. Well, there's this guy here in Vegas who loves the New York Giants and made a money line bet on the Giants parlayed into the Raiders. <laughs> Oops. And he did, it, he did it publicly on your show. <laughs> yes, he did. And he's talking to me right now. <laughs> right. And I bet they all thought when he said play the Giants on the money line that he, that he was in the parlay, no less, that he was totally crazy because why would you want to – the, the weak part of the play would have been, quote, the Giants, and the strong part of the play would have been the Raiders. Well, after two weeks of the NFL, if somebody would have said the Bengals, who was part of the uh, Super Bowl, right, last year? Right. And the LA Ra- uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, who went through the uh, preseason in 4-for-4, uh, four four, if, right. bo- if both the Raiders and the Bengals were 0-2 after two weeks and the Giants were 2-0 and after two weeks, nobody would believe <laughs> Nobody would believe them. Nobody would believe that. That's really a, that is truly an unbelievable story. But it is the NFL. That's... It, it and you know, a little bit about just a comment on this. It it has it shows you how probably the most important player on each team is the coach and the coaching staff, and how they work together. Because with the Raiders last year, with probably a worse offensive line, when Josh Jacob got the ball, he often had lanes to run in. Mm-hmm. The second half of the uh, game yesterday. He had nowhere to run. He was making five-yard runs like he was Barry Sanders. It would have taken Barry Sanders and Gale Sayers to make those five-yard runs. They were impressive. And, uh, you know, we have the best receiver in, in football by acclamation by everybody in Devontae Adams. Yep. Did they even throw the ball to him in the second half? Well, it's, if, they, if, if they did and didn't make an impression, that's for sure. Right. It's, I, I it's would ho- I would hope that with all the talent that the Raiders have, that they'd uh, come back strong. Uh, yeah. But uh, being 0-2 going into the season, you have a very low uh, percentage of uh, making playoffs and getting to the Super Bowl. Of course, we want them to make the Super Bowl, the ne- not the one coming up, but the next one, because we'll be here in uh, Vegas. Yeah, that, we wanted to make both, actually. Yeah, we do. But, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I don't think 0-2 is – I mean, it was bad last year. It, We'll see what it is this year. The stats tend to change, but we'll see if they right this ship. And, you know, now that I'm a fan of the Raiders like you are, um, you know, I was, it was, it was, a, the start of the day was fantastic, and the end of the day was very dreary. That's all I can say. Yeah, all I got to tell you is that um, uh, I've been a Raider fan since Daryl LaMonica was throwing bombs. So right. It's been a long time. And it's kind sure. of ironic, not that I'm, you know, I'm just saying that uh, wherever I went, they kind of followed along. So now they're here in <laughs> Vegas, and it, it's nice. It's nice to right. get all that good stuff. Okay. Well, we talk, uh, yeah. talk a little bit about NFL because, after all, this is Las Vegas. And when this time of the year comes around, we share the greatness of horse racing and the run to the, uh, to the uh, Kentucky, uh, you know, uh, to uh, Keeneland and the uh, Breeders' Cup, of course, uh, to, uh, along with the, all of the uh, great football going on. Well, it really is. And, you know, people who listen to the show on Sunday and they get my, my NFL play, 
I I have a feeling they don't actually run out and bet it, but uh, <laughs> if yeah, well, they did this week, if they did, we got we got a bad beat. All right. Well, the computer froze up again, so we're going to be pushing through the uh, okay the. Um, news because we couldn't get the computer started in time so the technicians are here and i'm done dealing with technology in the studio today hopefully it'll be all worked out tomorrow in the meantime go ahead and say it jerry have a great great day everybody